Amen. Good morning. My daughter told me before church today, she said, Dad, you did a really, really great job preaching last week. I said, what was so good about it? She goes, you only preached for 25 minutes. <laughs> so that's what my kids think of my preaching. Um, in case you didn't catch it, I was not feeling super well last week, and um, I must have caught a super bug across the pond, and it uh, took a toll on me a little bit, but I'm feeling much better today. And uh, certainly feeling much better after all the turkey we ate this week, right? And uh, all, the, all the good things that we were able to do and spend time with family. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Psalm 34. And I know Derek's already mentioned it, and as you're turning to Psalm 34, let me just remind you that I recognize that um, uh, December 1, uh, the month of December, is a super busy month for so many of us. Uh, we have work, family schedules. Uh, work parties, family parties, Christmas festivities. I want to encourage you, uh, next week we're going to begin a a series entitled Advent. We're going to be talking about what it means to really just kind of wait on the Lord and to consider and think about who God is during this time of year. It's my prayer in my own life that I just slow down a bit. Um, Sometimes it's good to just say no to stuff, even good things, uh, because there's other things that are more important. And so I just want to encourage you to do that over the, the holiday season. And, and as Derek already mentioned today, we have our, our Christmas candlelight services coming up. And, and, and I would imagine that, you know, in the, in the busyness of the season, it's, it's often hard to think about other people and kind of where they're at spiritually. But statistics tell us that a lot of people are very open to the gospel and to the message of Jesus, the story of Jesus, during this time of year. And so I just want to encourage you to invite folks to come and be a part of our Christmas services. And we'll have a service on Friday night. We'll have a service on Saturday night, and then on Sunday, we're going to record a message for you and your family to have family worship on Sunday morning at home with your family. And uh, um, I think COVID has given us some opportunities to think creatively about how we can do church together as a church family on that day. But we're going to make two really big uh, pushes on Friday and Saturday to uh, essentially try to, one, worship Christ, celebrate His birth, but then also reach out to those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and I pray and trust that you'll partner with us in that endeavor. Psalm 34, the Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, and my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. I just want to stop there for a second. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Amen? I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and He heard me. Uh, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and He saved me out of all of His troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that takes his refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are 
toward the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all of His bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction may slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of His servants. None of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. You know, as Americans, culturally speaking, we've come to expect certain things. We expect to be served. We expect to be treated fairly. We, we expect to get our way. And we certainly have, as Americans, culturally speaking, a sense of entitlement. So I want to ask you this question today, and I'm not certain that it's in your notes, but if you would write this question down, because it's really the premise of what we're going to talk about and discuss today, and that is this. Is it ever okay to complain? Is, it ever, is, is there ever a reason to complain or grumble? Is, it, is there ever a reason to do that? I think about comment cards at a restaurant. You know, you go to a restaurant and they ask you to leave your comments about the restaurant. And, you know, I just think about that. And I just wonder, does our opinion even really matter in the first place, right? I mean, what, what, what are we going to bring to the table per se? But I think about comment cards at a restaurant. And the reality is, as we go into a restaurant, we expect a certain level of service. We expect to be treated fairly. We expect the meal to be done in a certain way. We expect it to be delivered uh, at a certain time. We expect our drink to be constantly filled. We expect the waiter to be there at all times, serving us in case we need anything. We expect that. The sad thing is, is oftentimes we approach our relationship to God in very much the same way. In fact, we, 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 we question, if you will, His service to us. We, we question how he treats us, and it, to some degree, sets us up as little sovereign, little kings, that we've come to expect certain things in life, and we expect things to be a certain way uh, in our relationship with God. And when it doesn't go the way that we want, the way that we expect, the way that we feel like we should be treated, or the way that we deserve, we then complain, and we then have a heart that grumbles. You know, whatever's going on in your life right now, I want you to know this, based on this text... And that is this, you can look to God regardless of what's going on in your life right now. Regardless of how messy, how painful, how difficult it is, you can look to God and you can praise Him. Regardless of how hard things are right now, you can thank God. You can bring praise to Him. You can honor Him with your life. We may not always express gratitude for our lot in life because sometimes things are hard. Sometimes things are difficult, and sometimes, uh, sometimes things just aren't the way they're supposed to be. How many of you know what I mean? Say amen. They're just, they're just not the way that we dream. I mean, I mean, think about this just for a minute. You go to college, and you expect college to be a certain way. You expect to have this great experience, and then you realize you're actually supposed to go to class, and you're going to be held to a standard, and they're going to actually take grades. You know what I mean? And then you, you graduate college and you get married and, and you have this dream life dreamed up and imagined in your mind and you think, man, when I get married, life is going to be great. And five or ten years in, you roll over and you're like, really? This is what it is. And I'm teasing for all the young married couples in, in, in the room because marriage is great when you do it the way that God designed. 
And then maybe you have kids and, and, and you expect, you know, man, when I have kids, I'm going to be a so much better parent than my parents were. Can I get an amen on that? And then you realize you're just as bad, if not worse, than your parents were, and you're going to really mess your own kids up. And so we have these ideas of the way that life is supposed to work, and oftentimes it just doesn't because life is broken and life is uncertain, and yet when it is messy and when it is painful and when it is challenging, we can still look to a sovereign, unchanging, and faithful God, and we can praise Him. When life is messy, is it really possible to show gratitude? Is it possible to give praise to God? And if it is, what does that even look like to praise Him in our pain? What does it look like to praise Him in the challenges? What does it look like to praise Him in the uncertainty of life? What does it look like and how does this occur? When it might be difficult to praise and show God gratitude, we can look to His Word. And I want to press this into our hearts today. This is something that I've wanted for my life, that I've wanted for both churches that I've had the privilege of pastoring, and that is this. We must anchor our hearts to the Word of truth. We have to anchor our hearts to the Word of God. We have to anchor our hearts to the unchanging Word of God because the Word of God is what guides us, guards us, and helps us to move forward in our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when it's difficult to praise and show God gratitude, we look to the Word and we anchor our hearts to the truth and not our emotions and not the negativity around us. We don't have to focus on the uncertainty or the circumstances. We don't have to, we don't have to manage the outcome of life. We look to an unchanging, faithful God that is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen? And so the big idea today is this, a faith fixed on God, a faith that's fixed on God will not falter. A faith fixed on God will not falter. Life is super challenging. And if you've been alive for any amount of time, you can agree with me on this. Life is very, very unpredictable. I mean, at times I don't even know how to feel about the state of things. And this morning, you may be struggling to praise God because it appears that your life is a mess. And often I'm reminded that when things appear to be falling apart, they might actually be just falling into place, in the place that God needs them to be so that He can work in your life. And so this morning, our text gives us three principles, if you will, that build thankfulness into everyday life. How can we live a life of gratitude and how can we have a faith that's fixed on God so that it doesn't falter and it isn't dependent on our circumstances? It's not contingent upon how we feel or the, uh, the, the things going on around us. How can we build into our life uh, 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 the characteristic of gratitude and thankfulness so that God is honored, so that God is lifted up, and so that His name is praised in our life? Well, first of all, I think it begins in verse number one, and that begins with a resolution to praise. A resolution to praise. Now, a resolution is a decision or a determination to do something. I go to the gym, I work out, I try to do my best to eat healthy, but January 2nd of every year is the worst day of every year to go to the gym. 
Because every single person in town will be at the gym that day. And they'll be there for like a week. None of the machines are available. None of the, the equipment is, is, is accessible. Because all these people have what? They've made a what? That they are not going to keep. As much as they mean it, and as much as they're going to try, they're not going to keep that resolution. But the writer of this psalm, he made a resolution. He made a decision. He made a determination to do something. And David is resolved in this text, and he's fixed. His heart and his mind and his soul and his strength is fixed on giving praise to God. He's personally committed to praising and thanking God. Gratitude is not a virtue that comes naturally. It's not natural in us to be thankful. It's not really uh, uh, normal for us to just to live a life of thankfulness because we always want more. We want to expand. We're never content or we tend not to be content. And we like to think that we are, but in reality, we tend to look at the negative. We tend to look at what we don't have. We tend to look at how things are going wrong in life. In fact, it'd be safe to say We'd be on safe ground to suggest that we have a propensity to complain and grumble at life. And so in a world that is messy, we must resolve. We have to make a decision. We have to make a determination like David in this text to say, hey, regardless of what's going on, regardless of how hard it is, regardless of how painful it can be, I will praise God. I will look to Him in faith because the world we live in is messed up. It is broken. And we look to the one who one day will come and He will make all things new. God is coming and one day He'll make not only all things new, but He's going to reconcile this messy, broken world to Himself. And He came once. And guess what? He's coming again. And the sufferings of this life cannot compare to the glory that will be real to those who trust Him. Our hope's not in this world. Our hope's not in, 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 in getting a, a new house, new car, uh, a new vacation. It's not getting an education. It's not in any of those things. Our faith and our trust and our hope is fixed on the one who is faithful, the one who is good. So we've got to resolve to praise Him. And it's a determination to view life in the light of a God who is sovereign over every detail, every minuscule detail of my life and of your life, God is in control. He's in control of it all. Burke Parsons said it this way. He says, the blessings from God's hands aren't given, so we'd focus on the blessings, but that His blessing would draw us close to God. And I just wonder, like, we expect the blessings. We expect the raise. We expect the house. We expect the car. We expect a good meal on Thanksgiving. We expect our kids to act a certain way. We expect our spouse to respond in a certain way. We expect those things because we think we deserve them. And the blessings in our life are not there so that we'd focus on the blessings. They're there so that we could look to them and say, man, thanks be to God. Thanks be to Him. And so I will resolve and I will determine and I will make a choice to be thankful, to look to God. And this is why complaining is never okay, because it reveals ultimately what our focus is on. And so often our focus is on me and what I want, what I deserve, what I'm entitled to, what's fair and right and good 
for me. And so the challenge of this psalm is to turn the focus off of you and me and what we don't have and what we're not getting and how hard life is and focus on the one who is faithful and good and just and loving and kind. And his name is Yahweh. His name is God. And so there's this resolution of praise. But then in verse 2, we see a, not just a resolution to praise, but we also see a resounding praise. He says, I will, I will, I am resolved, I am, I am determined, I am, I am committed to bless the Lord. And look at what he says here. At all times, at all times, no matter the season, no matter my fortune in life, no matter my experiences, in every situation, under every circumstances, before, in, and after trials, in bright days, and in dark nights, I will praise the name of the Lord. Can I get an amen today? I will praise Him because this life isn't about me. It's not about my comfort. It's not about uh, what I want and what I deserve and what I'm entitled to. My life is about serving Him. My life is about praising Him. My life is about focusing on Him. My life is about looking to a day when, when, when all things will be made new, when I will be in His presence. He says at all times. And then he goes on to say, his praise, please underline this, his praise will continually be in my mouth. And that word continually means in perpetuity, to stretch. And so I want to ask you this morning, what are you known for? What are you known for? Now, if you ever watch Saturday Night Live, and I know some of you are too spiritual for that, but some of you, the carnal, more carnal church members did. But there was a, a, a sketch that they would do on Saturday Night Live and, there was a, and my wife called me on this this week. Actually, she did it yesterday because I was like, well. <laughs> I was like, hey, got your Christmas present. And uh, I wish I knew you so well that I could pick out the right thing that you would not take it back after I bought it. That was the conversation that we had yesterday. Her response back to me was like, well, okay then, Debbie Downer. <laughs> and then she said to me, and I'm like, well, Merry Christmas to you too, right? But there was a sketch they would do. No matter what would happen, no matter how good things were, there was a lady and she'd go, walk, walk. I mean, you remember that. Some of you do. The ones that are laughing, I know you're totally carnal, right? Walk, walk. She's Debbie Downer. She's just a wet blanket on, on everything. And you know, you're, you, are you ever around people like that? Hey, man, I got a raise at work. Well, I've never gotten a raise at work. I mean, it's just, you know. Hey, my kids are healthy. Man, my cat just died. You know, I mean, it's always something with that person where they're just constantly negative and they're constantly seeing the glass half full and everything is going wrong in their life and it's just wonk, wonk, right? Just throwing a wet blanket on, on everything. So we bless the Lord at all times. We do this continually. And I say resounding because the idea of resounding means echoing. It echoes. It goes on and on and on and on continually in perpetuity. Because we're not talking about the heart only, but what's in our mouth. And it moves from the heart to our mouth. It's an attitude of the heart. So I want to encourage you today, open your mouth and praise God and show Him gratitude. Can we do that today? Say amen. amen. David's reminding us that we can and we should praise God in every season, under every fortune and experience. And we can do this every day and we can do it forevermore. I want to be known as the person that's constantly looking to God, having faith in God, believing in God, trusting in God, and seeing His goodness and knowing that God will, no matter the circumstance, 
He will work all things together for good to them who love God and them who are called according to his purpose. And if he doesn't do it in this life, he'll do it in the life to come. And that's why Paul could say, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's actually the will of God. You want to know, some some people say, man, I really want to live for God. I want to do what God wants me to do with my life. Good. Start with just giving God thanks. So many of us in life want to wonder, man, what's the will of God? What's the next step for me? Hey, how about be a thankful, gracious person that's full of gratitude towards God? That's His will for your life. It's not where you're going to work. It's not who you're going to marry. It's not where you're going to go to school. God's will for your life, what he, is, what he is implicitly saying in this passage of Scripture is this, be a person of thanks. Be a person whose heart is shaped by gratitude for the goodness of God, regardless of the circumstance that you find yourself in. That's what's so fascinating about, about American Christianity. The gospel we preach here would not translate into the Middle East. In our culture, we think, man, you know, um, if I follow Jesus, my life is going to be good. I'm not going to get sick. I'm going to have food on the table. I'm going to have um, a blessed life. It's the Joel Osteen uh, wealth and prosperity gospel. Every day is a Friday. Your best life now. I got, you know, yesterday I pulled into the store and he was like, oh, there's front row spot. I was like, best life now, right? And that's the gospel we believe. And we laugh about it, but that's, we, that's what we believe. But man, you go to the Middle East, and those dudes that follow Jesus Christ and those women that follow Christ, when they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they, they follow the Lord and believers' baptism, they lose their family. They lose their jobs. They're ostracized. They're pariahs going forward. And they're following Jesus and they're taking up their cross and they're following Him at, at, at their own personal expense. And they expect nothing from God. They expect nothing from Him. You know why? Because they got everything in the cross. They found mercy. They found eternal life. They found hope. Because this life doesn't matter. It's the life to come. So they got all they ever needed when they found Jesus in the cross. But for us, if we don't have the car that we want, the house that we want, the job that we want, the pay that we, that we think we're entitled to, hey man, God hates us and God's mad at us and, and God isn't good. No, man, it's this resounding praise, and I'm just going to fix my faith on God so that I will not falter. So there's not a reason or circumstance that isn't worthy of praise to God. And if we'll continue to praise God, the bitterness of daily affection will be swallowed up in joy. Praise, listen, listen to this. Praise diminishes the pain of life and produces joy. Pain diminishes, praise, praise diminishes the pain of life and produces joy. I want you to notice this last thought. Resolution to praise, a resounding praise, and then I want you to notice this last thought, a recognition of power. Our our praise, what what we rooted in, the foundation of it, if you will, our praise is a recognition of the power and the person of God Himself. Gratitude and thankfulness finds its source in the character and the nature of God. When dwelling on the character and nature of God, praise to Him is ceaseless. Man, if you just for a moment stopped and thought about all that God is, and if you stopped and thought about who God is, 
And if you thought about the immensity of his character, the immeasurability of his love, if you just stopped and paused and thought about who it is we worship, your tongue would cease to praise the wonderfulness of God. And so, so many of us, we're in such a hurry in life. And, and, and we're constantly busy and, and we're frustrated and, and we're looking at all the stuff happening around us we can't control and that we can't manage and all the stuff that we lack compared to other people. And so we don't, we don't, we don't just stop and pause and think about how incredible God is. So David does that for us. The text reveals exactly who it is that we're praising and, and what it is that we're praising him for. And it's time to get our eyes, listen to this, no, write this down today. Let's get our eyes off our problems and just praise Him today. Can we do that just for a moment? Let's get our eyes off our problems today and focus on praising God. Now, last week I, I mentioned this. It says, David says uh, in our text today, I will bless, I will bless the Lord at all times. And I brought out the, 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 the whole theology of the word Lord here. It's Yahweh. It's God's proper name. Another way of saying that is Adonai. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be in my mouth. Oh, magnify. Look at verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us, let us exalt His name together. Adonai. His name Adonai means one possessed of absolute control. The one true God. And this is what I find fascinating about His name in this context. He's Adonai. Well, listen, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, and it may seem like it is out of control. How many of you have ever been in a moment like that? Say amen. Life is messed up. I can't control it. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But here's the thing. We worship Adonai. We worship the one who holds this whole thing together. And he does so by the power of his word. He's God. And so God has absolute control of everything that's going on in your life right now. And not only that, not to freak you out, but everything that you don't know that's coming on that's going to happen tomorrow because he's already in tomorrow, he's already there. And guess what? He's in control of that too. Amen? He's in control. But here's what the beautiful thing. The emphasis on the name Adonai, it emphasizes his existence, the fact that God really is. You can doubt his existence. You may question his love. You may, you may doubt his goodness. But listen, it doesn't mean that he ceased to exist because he is. Amen? He is. Then he goes a step further and it emphasizes, and I love this, his relationship to his covenant people. Now, God is Yahweh and he is Adonai. And he knows all things. He's omnipotent. He's, he's omniscient. He is all-knowing. He's loving. He's kind. He's good. He's faithful. His holiness is transcendent. His holiness is on a level that we can't even fathom. And yet, he desires relationship with you and me. Even when we falter, even when we fail, even when we mess up and we make a, even when we make a mess of our life, he's Adonai. He's in control of our messes that we make, and he wants to draw near to us because he is a loving Father, and that's the one that we praise today. So no matter how difficult or trying or or problematic, God's not only in control, but listen, 
He's not just in control. He desires to have a relationship with you and me and a relationship that will ultimately sustain us to the end, the end of this life and the beginning of the next. Amen? So let me ask you this, and I don't know if this is in your notes today, but you might want to jot this down. Are you blown away that God desires a relationship with His children? I don't know about you, but I am. I do so many dumb things. I sin in so many ways, and I struggle to please God. And yet, when I make a mess of things, He just wants to get near to me. People are going to let you down. I I found that to be true in life, unfortunately. Your friends let you down. Your spouse will let you down. Man, your kids will let you down. They'll disappoint you. They're human. But listen to me on this. Almighty God, Adonai, He loves you and He wants to draw near to you and He will never disappoint and He will never let you down. That's the God we praise. That's the God we worship. That's the God we look to. Confidence in the character and nature of God guides our response and will protect us from the negative uh, emotions that weigh us down and keep us from learning the lesson that God wants us to for greater blessing. So the point is this, is that we're talking about the true and sovereign God who has absolute power and desires a relationship to His children, to His people. What does that mean? Well, in verses 4 through 7, I want you to notice what that means is. It means our salvation. In verses 4 through 7, I read it today. He says, I sought the Lord and He answered me, delivered me from all my fears. In in verse 6, He says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and He saved him out of all of his troubles. Listen to this. God is Savior. He's the saving God, and He's the God who delivers us from the worst situations beginning with our sinful state. No greater trouble for you and me is our sinful state. And God steps to us, and God went to the cross in His Son, Jesus Christ, and He died for our sins. And no matter how bad life is, if you know Christ, you have all you need. You have all you need, because God is a saving God. And for those who know Christ and the others who don't, there is nothing, including sin, that stands in the way of our pursuit to know and walk with God because He has made a way in the cross. One writer said it this way, we may see God even when we have sinned. And if sin could blockade the mercy seat, it would be all over for us. But the mercy is that there are gifts for the rebellious and an advocate for men who sin. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to praise Him. That makes me want to thank Him. That there's no blockade. There's no hindrance. I can step into the presence of Almighty Yahweh, Almighty Adonai, Almighty God, and a way has been made because our God is a saving God. Amen? But He doesn't just save us. He supplies. Verses 9 and 10, He says, The young lions suffer and want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I mean, God is a provider, and as His children, we'll never lack what we need spiritually, physically, and emotionally. He's a giver of good things. There's no good thing that shall be denied to those who, who, whose first and main end in life is to seek the Lord. Men may call us fools for seeking the Lord. Men may call us fools for putting Him first. But the Lord will prove us wise. Matthew 6, 33, seek seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He doesn't just provide salvation. He doesn't just provide uh, supply, but supplication in verses 15 through 18. 
He says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and He hears their cry. Please write this down today because I don't know where you're at, but our God is a listener. You know, when I get nervous, I, I talk too much. I, I just, I, I don't know what it is. And then not only do I talk, but sometimes I get sarcastic. But you know, our God, He's a listener. He hears the prayer of His children. He longs to hear us come to Him for help, for strength, and for guidance. And listen, if you call, if you call out to God, you know what? He listens. He listens. And so a powerful truth to consider is that omnipotent God listens to the prayers of the weakest saints. And listen, I heard someone say this. If we can get it off our lips, it will reach His ears. And there are moments in life, and I don't know that everyone in this room has experienced those moments, but there's moments where you're desperate and you don't even have the words to say and the strength to, 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 to put a sentence together. But if you can get it off your lips, it'll reach his ears. Amen? Amen. And then lastly, verses 19 through 22, is he gives us safety. He gives us safety. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. He says it right there. We, we are going to be afflicted in this life. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord... The Lord will deliver us out of them all. God's a protector, and He lovingly protects. He becomes to those who will run to Him a refuge and a shelter. Friend, let, let us never forget that God sets His loving gaze on His children. He's always looking to guide and guard us. Spurgeon said it this way, No net of trouble can so hold us that the Lord cannot set us free, cannot free us. Our affections may be numerous and complicated, but prayer can set us free from all. Nothing befalls the child of God that he hasn't personally allowed. We must let go of what we expect and enter the master's, the, the, God's will for our life. It's significant for our, our understanding to know that God, listen to this, it's significant for you to know this today. God is always near. God is always watching. He's orchestrating and He is molting our lives and our faith for the future. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For He said, and you don't see this in the text, but it's in the original languages, but it says, I will never, ever leave you and never, ever forsake you. In the text, in the English version, it says, I'll never leave you and forsake you. But what He's saying there, I'll never, ever leave you and I'll never, ever forsake you. No matter what's going on in your life, He's near. Knowing that God will never leave and forsake us provides us a confidence. A confidence those who do not follow God will never know. We walk in confidence because God is watching over every detail and event in our life. So let me ask you today, none of us, none of us enjoy being around those that complain. I don't like being around people that complain. I like being around people that are filled with hope. I like, I'm a little bit like Tom Wagner. I, I hate going to a movie and then it just ends and you don't know if the couple got back together, right? Uh, how many of you know what I'm saying, amen? That's the goal worse, man. And I, and I just don't enjoy being around people that complain and, and can't see light at the end of the tunnel. None of us enjoy being around that. And yet, we, if we gave ourselves an honest evaluation, we would likely find ourselves in the same category with those who do complain, those who do crumble, those who do have discontentment in their hearts. And the reality is, is we have this propensity to complain and grumble, Never satisfied, always wanting what we don't have or desiring a better situation in our life. And so I ask you again, as I did at the first of the message, is it ever okay to complain? 
Is there ever a reason to grumble? I don't know, you tell me. In the light of who God is, and in the light of all that God has done for us, should we complain? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I know for certain that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I know that I'm forgiven of my sins. I know I'm right with God. I know heaven is my home. And you can lift your hand this morning and just give testimony of that today. I know for certain that heaven is my home. I know I'm right with God. And how many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor, I'm uncertain that I'm right with God. I don't know that I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven of my sins. I don't know that heaven is my home. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Is there anyone that's like that that's here this morning? I see this young man's hand here. Anyone else? How many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, there are areas of my life where I do tend to complain and I do tend to grumble. And I think there's a part of my faith, a part of my life where I have neglected, if you will, to really consider who God is and all that God has done for me. I've taken the focus off of, off of God and I've put the focus on me and According to this text, I need to realign or recalibrate my thinking, my theology, so that my life is filled with more gratitude, which would then, would then in turn result in more joy, more peace in my life. And how many of you be honest enough with yourself and honest enough with God today to say, you know what, there are areas in my life where I'm complaining and grumbling and I need to, I need to turn my focus back to God. Would you just lift your hand and let me see that today? Man, amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, would you stand to your feet? Father in heaven, thank you for the response already of our church today. Lord, it is my heart to pastor a church that wants to be obedient to the word of God. And I know that starts with me. And I know, God, that I have a tendency to look at the negative. I have a tendency to wait for the other shoe to drop. I have a tendency to complain and grumble and not be thankful and appreciative of the things in my life that you've put there. Always wanting more, always wanting to expand, not being content with what I have and what you've given to me. It's gotten me in a lot of trouble, to be honest. And I pray this morning before our church, before my wife and my kids, I just ask you to forgive me. I pray that you'd help me to be thankful. I pray, God, that you'd help me to see how good you are, how incredibly faithful you are. And God, I pray that my heart would just be filled with, with joy and contentment and peace and, and rest my faith and my hope is fixed on you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I'm not going to belabor this this morning, but I do want to give you an opportunity if God has spoken to you this morning. If God has spoken to you about your complaining, grumbling heart, bring that to Him today. There is mercy in the presence of God. God wants you to come and worship Him, to thank Him, to praise Him, to, the, to make this resolution. Some of you right here, right now today need to say, you know what? I'm going to make a resolution to praise and I'm going to allow the praise of God to echo from my life because of who He is. So if God's spoken to you today, I want to encourage you to come on this first note.